Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Friday, November 16th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about Amazon's big move to New York City and what it will mean for local residents and city politics. On Tuesday, news officially broke that Amazon would open not one, but two new headquarters in Queens, New York and Arlington, Virginia. This enraged local residents and progressives who are bracing for increased rent prices, displacement, and growing inequality in quickly gentrifying neighborhoods. Many New Yorkers are also incensed that the city is poised to throw as much as $3.5 billion in tax breaks and incentives to the tech giant, public funds that could be used for affordable housing, better transit, and other necessities. So today, we've got Vice's Ankita Rao speaking with Vice News editor Matt Taylor on the story. This week, we found out much-anticipated news that Amazon was going to launch its new headquarters in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of D.C., and in Long Island City, which is right outside of Manhattan in the borough of Queens, What was the initial reaction that you started hearing when this news dropped? Well, I think that's a tough question to answer because my mom was excited. And I think a lot of people over the age of 35 or 40 and a lot of people, frankly, in the political class, depending on what level of politician or official or business person or prominent figure you're talking about, we're excited, right? So like the news of Amazon coming to Long Island City on a company website included quotes from both the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, and his, at least until this deal, longtime nemesis, Andrew Cuomo, both expressing jubilation. And that was actually one of the more interesting wrinkles that emerged this week if I'm recalling correctly, one of the sort of, whether it was officially on paper or, or just kind of understood between the parties, conditions that Amazon imposed on New York was that those two politicians who've been engaged in kind of like a years long kind of alpha male dynamic of one-upping each other uh, had to get along, which makes sense from Amazon's perspective. You don't want like intra-New York rivalries screwing up your project. So if you ask people like them, it was great. Um, And in fact, these two men who hate each other, we thought hate each other, I think still hate each other, clasped hands at this event announcing it and were using kind of bizarre techno-utopian language to describe it and were really psyched. Everyone I know was pissed. And I think that applies specifically to me, just as someone who like kind of swims through like New York left of center circles or whatever. But I think the general reaction from 
younger people, but also people who were inclined maybe to vote against Andrew Cuomo and for his long shot opponent in the gubernatorial primary this this year, uh, Cynthia Nixon, um, or who have kind of found themselves having doubts about Bill de Blasio, who a few years ago, sometimes forget, was like this exciting figure who a lot of a lot of people were really stoked about and ran on fixing a tale of two cities and addressing inequality in New York. And uh, I think the reaction from a lot of people's rage, and uh, I want to sort of turn this on you, but you actually went and checked out a protest, right? Where what I want to say, like a hundred or so, or maybe more people showed up and were, were angry. Um, what was, what was the scene like there? So this protest was, uh, in the heart of Long Island city and it was organized by councilman Jimmy Van Bramer and there were other city officials and, and state senators there as well as union workers, union leaders from different tenant organizations and, People representing sort of across the board housing, transport, different types of labor, and that kind of thing, um, as well as residents who had either heard about it or had, were just sort of walking by and stopped because they were angry. And people are furious. I think the few sticking points, one, is that there hadn't been a public dialogue about this. There's this process called the Euler process, which engages local people and local officials in a whole dialogue around decisions like this that had not been done. There is a lot of public money. Amazon's getting a huge tax break and, and people are sort of like, look around us. We're already having all of these issues. There's a housing crisis. Our trains don't work. Why are we giving this company <laughs> the richest man, you know, around a, a tax break um, to build a helipad? And so I think there's a lot of frustration and and I think riding on the back of the midterm elections last week where people were really inspired by, you know, at least some of the shift towards Democrats and especially sort of more outspoken anti-corporate Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez taking, you know, winning seats. I think people were especially incensed. Yeah, that that's my sense, too, that... Um... And you and I have talked about this privately, but it does seem like you had these two kind of dinosaurs of city politics, even though neither is, I guess, by certain standards that old, who had both won re-election recently. And so I, I guess they're arguing, you know, we've been endorsed or we have sort of tacit public support. We're not unelected. But as people have pointed out, they also didn't run on Amazon. They didn't run on, this is a thing we're going to do if you reelect me, whether it was de Blasio last year or Cuomo this year. And I do get the sense that going around the traditional safeguards for city council veto power and those, those kinds of things is, is really upsetting to people. So it does seem like everything from at the, maybe the more extreme end of the spectrum, like litigation to try to prevent it could happen. And then some of the specific proposals that it sounds like people were talking about at the protests you went to. I mean, one thing that is maybe even a longer shot than litigation, I imagine someone will try to sue over this, but is a proposal from an assemblyman, Ron Kim, who essentially advocated using the billions, and it probably will be multiple billions of dollars, to cancel student debt, which he cited research by a Cornell law professor who had looked at the fact that from a GDP perspective, from a job creation perspective, 
canceling student debt might actually be more stimulative, which in theory is how elected officials from de Blasio and Cuomo on down tend to justify these projects, right? We need jobs. Um, I think there's also this other thing going on that you alluded to, which is as much as parts of New York have high poverty rates and Long Island City is not really one of them, which is something we can talk about later maybe, but joblessness is not necessarily the only thing people are worried about. Rent is already very high in just about every neighborhood people tend to inhabit in New York, at least relative to where it was and a lot of other major metropolitan areas. And there were reports even before Amazon's arrival was official that just the very sort of fact of intense speculation was sending housing prices up in Long Island City and in parts of Queens, which suggests that when it actually happens, housing prices are going to go way up. And that's the other thing is I think on its surface, a deal like this is defensible or could be defended as Long Island City is this big, relatively sort of tower heavy neighborhood with a lot of housing stock, with a lot of room in theory for tech workers to sort of come in. I think that's debatable, but that's a a case you could make. What's a lot less clear is, and a lot scarier is how this influx of people will affect rent and transportation in the surrounding neighborhoods. And you mentioned Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who does not represent Long Island City, but does represent adjacent parts of Queens. I think it's safe to assume, I mean, I live in Greenpoint, which is sort of on the other side of the, the water over the bridge from LIC, but I think it's safe to assume that whether it's a neighborhood like mine, which is already kind of a totem of gentrification, or even other neighborhoods adjacent to Long Island City, we'll see sort of tertiary or peripheral effects from this. Higher rent, they're already going to be strained on the G and 7 trains by the L shutdown, and can only imagine that getting more intense with a big influx of new tech workers. Some of them might come from New York. Presumably many of them won't. You know, this could fundamentally change, I think some people are arguing, and I, I don't think they're their arguments can be dismissed, the sort of character of the city, not just in one neighborhood. And I think that's part of what's driving the the uproar. I think I want to talk a little bit more about that specifically, the the shift in not just rent prices and, and maybe the class structure of Queens, but also the culture that these tech companies create when they do land somewhere. I think, you know, Seattle has dramatically changed. And and it's interesting because in New York, you know, I when I was a kid, I lived in Queens and it was like the first stop for so many immigrant families because it was sort of the only place you could afford to live and still access the economic opportunities of Manhattan. And now, I mean, Brooklyn is overwhelmingly expensive now and Queens and the Bronx were sort of the last bastions of any semblance of affordable housing. And and I think that ripple effect. But it's also those immigrant communities that are in the fabric of Queens will be displaced. Um, You know, now Bangladeshi and Filipino communities and places like Sunnyside. How do you see, you know, the culture of that whole borough changing? And and as you said, Greenpoint and Brooklyn or or adjacent areas. Well, that's, I think, maybe the hardest part to predict in as much as on the one hand you have the companies and the officials kind of standing with them talking a lot about job creation and how it will help the areas in which the the specific neighborhood in which the physical structures exist and the surrounding areas which is to say everything from the construction work which is often in New York in part because of organized labor relatively high-paying construction work 
and and sort of jobs that do seem like they're going to quote unquote normal people, um, which seems great. I think the harder thing to figure out, and I'm sort of I know both of us are going to be kind of looking into this, and I and I know people from Seattle. I'm sure will be talking about this as we get closer to it, but how many of the actual professional salary jobs at the HQ2 or whatever we're calling it now will go to working or middle-class people, whether they're immigrants or not, in the surrounding areas. It's hard to imagine that when they're kind of planning this sort of move, even if we're assuming that the intentions were kind of overall benevolent, it's hard to imagine that that's who they had in mind. I find that hard to imagine. And it's not just Amazon that does this. You, If you're a big tech company, you go to a city where you think there are lots of already trained or soon-to-be-educated upper-middle-class or, or skilled people. And sometimes that will include large segments of immigrant populations, and sometimes it won't. That's the part that maybe is is the biggest besides... It seems sort of clear to me that rent will go up. It seems clear to me that there will be displacement. What I don't think we know, and, and I find it hard to predict, and I'm, I'm curious what you what you expect, is will there be kind of like the more techno-utopian version of events would be that there would almost be like a kind of farm system, for lack of a better analogy, from high schools and trade schools and technical schools in Queens and in the surrounding areas, sending some of the first or second immigration kids to work at Amazon. Do you expect that to happen? I don't think I do. Not really, because it doesn't seem like those are the jobs that will be available. And that that might just be me not knowing enough. I mean, there's, there's, you know, good things and bad things that would have come out of that as well. It's like a one manufacturing town sort of situation, but in New York. But also just based on sort of the early inklings of what kind of jobs these will be, I think there's that disparity again between like, labor construction jobs and then probably high-skilled workers that won't be able, it won't be a trade school pipeline or a working class pipeline. It'll be the same sort of thing we see in Seattle where it's a bunch of transplants from B-school or some sort of thing like that. And then a lot of these jobs per se that I think would be accessible are still in these outlying, you know, Amazon has warehouses everywhere. It has sites everywhere, um, like random places in Long Island and New Jersey, and there's going to be a big hub in Nashville. And I think the jobs that maybe would benefit some of these communities in Queens are, are, I don't think, will be the ones that they'll have access to here. So there's so much data missing here. So this is completely me sort of riffing off of what little I know, and also using Seattle or um, in other cities where Amazon has landed as as a base. But uh, yeah, I'm not really seeing the light. The one thing I will say is I heard that they're going to build bike lanes and Queens has no, not enough bike lanes. So if there's a few more bike lanes, maybe like that's one tiny thing I would be happy Right. And, and um, that's a sort of would be a, a tangible, to come back to a question you asked earlier, cultural change or sort of not purely any economic change. How does the physical geography of the city change? My sense is part of why I chose Long Island City is it's already very kind of glossy and kind of bank towery, and it's not necessarily going to look as radically different as if you plopped Amazon down in the East Village or something. But I do wonder about those less 
material or maybe even less tangible cultural shifts. I mean, we've already seen people from Seattle warning in a, a funny New York Post article that came out in the last day or so, people in New York about how tech pros will sort of ruin the New York dating scene, which is funny. And and yet I wonder about those kind of less less obvious or less immediate things. What kind of cultural venues or associations or platforms will Amazon either create directly to keep its many thousands of promised workers happy? And what peripheral effects will they have? I mean, it's not implausible that some of them would be positive for people who live in Long Island City now. Maybe they'll find that there's more to do with their leisure time. But I think the concern is, like, who is all that stuff targeted at? And you wonder what kind of, frankly, not just cheesy, but kind of weird culture will will pop up. Maybe some of it will be good. I've heard Seattle is a fun place to hang out. But more often, I think what we're used to hearing is that the kind of grunge or whatever scenes in Seattle that were a thing or more of a thing in the 90s are harder to kind of tease out now because Amazon, and not just Amazon, other tech companies and big businesses have radically changed what the city looks like. You can read Matt and Ankita's reporting at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.